Share Care, helping you find experts, the top minds in health and medicine. It's Share Care Radio with Dr. Daria Long Gillespie on RadioMD.com. Hi, it's Dr. Daria. So how often do you say or hear, where did the time go? As a new mom myself, whenever somebody tells me her child, my daughter's childhood is just going to fly by, I hate it. I cringe. I want to slow that down. So I have with me John Coyle. He's a former Olympic athlete. He's a consultant speaker, and he's author of an upcoming book focusing on slowing down time. John, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for having me, Dr. Daria. I want to talk about this. We talk about how time is our most valuable commodity, but you know we squander it. So you know, talk about your background and what got you interested in time in the first place. Yeah, it's, I guess it's a convoluted story, or maybe not. Uh, in some ways, it's very simple. For about 20 years of my life, I spent all of my time uh, turning counterclockwise, chasing time. Uh, specifically, I was on the U.S. National, national speed skating and cycling teams for more than 15 years. And so you really got used to f- focusing down to the milliseconds for that. Yeah, I mean, if you mm-hmm. think about it, the margins of victory in those kinds of sports are usually in the hundreds of seconds. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. so when you train for a decade to try to win by two and hundred, you naturally become uh, sort of obsessed with time. Yeah. And, uh, and then I had this sort of weird transition into the corporate world where my very first job after I retired from sport was spent with 2,000 other people, 2,000 man years focused on one second. And specifically, that was Y2K at Goldman Sachs to turn their mm-hmm. clock from 1231.99 to 010100. Mm-hmm. Well, what and at what point did you realize I'm going to now switch from focusing on kind of like, you know, shaving off time to really maximizing in your latest research? What was the switch that flipped that? You know, I think it's something that a lot of late 20-somethings and early 30-somethings go through is this sudden realization of, hey, wait a minute, where did, where did that summer go, or where did that mm-hmm. year go, or where did that week go? And there's this acceleration of time that 98% of adults start to feel at that age. Mm-hmm. And I was feeling it really, really strongly, and I just I became obsessed with, how is this okay? Like, it doesn't make any real sense, because it's mm-hmm. not true, Right. Right. The summer of 2015, we'll have 94 days and 2,232 hours and 8 million seconds, same <laughs> as when we were kids, but it doesn't feel the same, and if perception is reality, then this new reality, I didn't like it all, and I was bound I, to deter- determined to do something about it. I know. I, I hate it. I hate that feeling. So why does it feel like it's slipping away now that you know I'm no longer 8 years old on my summer vacations? There are a number of reasons, but it's all cognitive, right? This is a cognitive error or a cognitive bias, right? It's not real, right? It is the same number of seconds. So so our brains are doing something to time. And the best metaphor I can come up to is it's, it's squeezing time much the way that a nozzle on a hose squeezes water coming out of a garden hose. It is causing it to accelerate. And, and why might that be? Well, in the research that I've done, there's a couple of different factors at play, but one of those that is very obvious I think for a lot of people is that our breadth of experience is shrinking. And so as we have less new experiences, our brains are lazy. And, and you know, the greatest metaphor here, I think, is driving your car to work. When you first learn to drive, it's an all-in, using every part of your brain sort of full stimulus operation. But these days, I don't know about you, but I can get to work and not even remember how I got there. 
Mm-hmm. So our brains go on autopilot when we get into routine. And so that's what's happening with life, is life becomes more routinized as we start having the same friends, same uh, restaurants, same work, same coworkers, same vacation. We start to have that same autopilot go on, and we actually lose that time. I mean, if you can't remember something, mm-hmm. it's almost as if it never happened at all. Mm-hmm. And that's, you know, that's killing time, and I would much rather make time. Yeah, that makes sense, because to an eight-year-old on summer vacation, for whom, as you mentioned, summer vacation seems endless, to them everything's new. They're doing new things, meeting new friends, and so it sounds like routine, our adult routine is part of the culprit for for why we have that feeling. Absolutely. Routine Mm -hmm. is definitely the enemy of expanding time. I'll say the other part, that a lot of people sort of get that, right? They take up, you know, all these uh, 30-year-olds, 30-somethings, and and up in, in age, start to pick up things, right? They're going to pick up voice lessons or take piano lessons or yoga or a triathlon or uh, train for a half marathon or marathon. And that's all good because it's new and it's unique experiences and it can be fairly intense. But the, the part that I think they miss is there's another component to an eight-year-old's life that we also diminish with time, and that is the depth of emotional experience, the range of emotional experience. I mean, eight-year-olds, they, they cry a lot, right? And we don't necessarily want to do that. We, get, we develop a distaste for discomfort as we grow older, uh, but those emotional pendulum swings are also factors in slowing down time. I mean, if you think back, some of your most memorable experiences aren't necessarily even good, mm-hmm. but they were memorable because of the emotional component. You laid down such a pressurized memory that it sticks forever. Mm-hmm. And the metaphor I make here is, is those moments where you have incredibly intense memories are sort of like notches in your mental yardstick of time. Mm-hmm. And so you have a before and after those events. And, and you know, there's a, some of them are obvious, like a birth of a child or first I love you or a wedding and so forth. But a lot of them are other things. Uh, mm-hmm. And they can, be, they can be negative things too, right? Like I can remember some childhood vacations I'll never forget that were pretty horrible. Um, <laughs> <laughs> you know, 48 and I was in a car with no air conditioning. But I'll never forget uh-huh. it. And it created that yardstick for time. And so if we avoid those highs and lows in life that we are sort of want to do at this point in life, we actually also cause time to accelerate. It's interesting, trying trying so hard to be kind of risk-averse now and prevent that discomfort is kind of the culprit there. So let's talk about your book, Counterclockwise, that you're working on, and let's talk about how to design moments to expand time, how to make time instead of squandering it. Yeah, there are, you know, these moments that we just talked about, they they exist already in our lives, but they... Mm -hmm. They have a tendency to become fewer and fewer as we get older, unless mm-hmm. we design them in. Now, you can't, I will say, I don't think you can actually just create them out of thin air. You can't just design them, but you can create the environment for them. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so if you're taking on new activities that involve some risk, some possibility of highs and lows, that's, you know you're sort of treading in the right direction. And I'll give you probably the most extreme example, but it's one that works virtually every time. And it's going to sound really counterintuitive, but if you design fear and suffering into your vacation, <laughs> I can assure you they will be memorable. And I'll give yeah, you. A you shouldn't. You should not be a travel agent, John. That's, <laughs> don't make that your next career goal. But I'm listening. So here's the contrast, right? So you go to an all-inclusive resort and you sit by the pool and sip cocktails and do nothing else. You have no story, right? Mm-hmm. There's, there's really nothing to share, and and. The way that memories are created are very much oriented to the notion of story or the monomyth or the hero's mm-hmm. journey. Anyways, any basic plot 
has a crisis. Without a plot, you have no story. Without a crisis, you have no plot. Therefore, you need a crisis to have a story. So all of the vacation memories that we remember tend to have some form of crisis or really intense aspect to them. I'll tell you a very specific example. Recently, my daughter and I went to Mexico, went to Playa del Carmen, and we thought it was a fairly short, maybe hour walk to go to the city from our resort. And four hours later, in the dark, treading over sharp shells and rocks with sort of bleeding feet, we made it to town. And yeah, it was somewhat upsetting and stressful. But man, once we entered the, the city itself and smelled everything and saw the lights and could finally eat and get some water, I mean, we stayed in one of the nicest resorts I've ever stayed at, and all we remember from that trip was that amazing journey in the dark mm-hmm. to the city. And it's important, so you're taking risks, not taking massive risks to endanger yourself, but taking small risks. You're right. I do remember one of my most notable trips as a child was when we were touring the Netherlands and we got locked in William of Orange's castle. So if my mom's listening, she's probably laughing that I'm telling that on national radio. But, you know, it's probably about, you know, being open, going and trying new things and, you know, being open to pushing the envelope a little bit, but doing so safely too. But you're going to get some really great opportunities when you, you see what's behind that door or take that extra trip or that, that road less traveled, as the poet would say. Exactly, exactly right. Okay. Now, what about on a daily basis? When you're going about your day, you know, you're not on a trip, you necessarily can't plan in some fancy, some great walk or something else on a daily basis going back and forth to work. How can you kind of expand that time too? Yeah, so that's a really great question because, you know, not all of us can be uh, creating these really intense uh, moments all the time. You just can't. We have we have to pay for life, right, by going to work mm-hmm. and doing... You can't get rid of all routines. It's just not mm-hmm. possible. Well, at least not for those of us that are not independently wealthy. Yes. Uh, so... What it would we be nice, do, but we can't. What you can do, and this is, you know, there's real solid brain science around this. When you're focused on a task that is a weakness, you're using your prefrontal cortex heavily. Your speed of processing is very slow, and it requires a lot of willpower and attention. Uh, that's sort of like the metaphor to make. It's like you're running like with a, a, a surveillance camera going on in your head. It's slow frame rate, time plots by in the present, but then you essentially have very little memory often of these sort of boring, mundane tasks like this. Conversely, when you're working in an area where you have a strong strength, be that if you're really good at a sport or music or just something at work that you're really good at, often at work, in fact, uh, then you're using circuits in your brain that are firing at very high speeds. They have this, this substance called myelin that has wrapped around those circuits to make them shoot up to a thousand times faster. It's sort of like you now have an HD camera on, mm-hmm. and so in the present, the time flies by, right? Like you... You sit down and do a task you're awesome at, and you look at your watch 10 minutes later, and three hours mm-hmm. have gone by, and you're like, what happened to time? And actually, uh, from a cognitive perspective, your your time circuits in brain actually shut off. You're not even engaging that anymore. Mm-hmm. So those things, Chief Smith and I, an author of the book called Flow, he would call that flow, but it's when you're operating in your areas of strength. When you're doing that, you're storing up to a 1,000 times more data and memories and stories than doing things that you're not good at. So mm-hmm. when you design a life that has more and more of the things you're good at and less and less of the things you suck at in it, then you're going to store much more ripper, richer memories and experiences and have a richer data bank to pull on, which expands your perspective and perception of time passing and slows it down. And it totally works. 
I'm so designing my entire life around that. So you're saying that for the those daily moments, you kind of talked about, we need to do those things that are in our, you know, that get us into that flow, that played our exactly. strengths. And you're saying that actually playing to your strengths, you know, feeds in the neuro pathways that are much faster, much more vivid, much richer. And that's Correct. how you'll get those moments. Because it's interesting, you're right. When you're doing those things that are flow, in the moment, time may seem to be flying by. You're not aware of time passing. Correct. But then you look back and you think like, wow, like, you know, all the different things that happened on that day. And I can remember it. And the day does seem much longer and more vivid and richer. So, okay, this sounds awesome. How do people find our core? You know, how do we find our core strengths and what gets us into that moment of flow? What are the questions to ask yourself? I love that question. And I'll tell you, I ask it basically of everybody I meet. It's like my first my, my intro question, what are you best at? And I'll tell you, most people don't know. Right. And that's really sad. It's really sad. I mean, think of how many artists and painters and philosophers and mathematicians and basketball players and, and musicians have never discovered their true path. Mm-hmm. Um, it's really sad. And, you know, uh, you know, Thoreau would say, most men live lives of quiet desperation. I think that's the life you choose when you choose a path that's not aligned with your natural strength. So, so how do you find out? Well, take tests and assessments. There's all kinds of them out there, at least for personality and cognitive capabilities. Uh, sports-wise, tends to be pretty obvious. You have to actually participate and try new things. Uh, ask other people. That's a really easy and uh, uh, available way. People that are honest with you will tell you what your strengths are. One of my favorites, though, and this one, I'd, be, I'd love for you to try this sometime, Dr. Daria, is to take a list of your weaknesses and I can send you a list of, of sort of adjectives that describe weaknesses, and then hold those up to the mirror, because almost every time a weakness that we have is also, in its inverse, a strength. Hmm. And I give you a very brief example from my sporting mm-hmm. life. My weakness as an athlete, I could not, I had no endurance. I couldn't pedal or skate long distances at a steady rate. And for years, they were trying to train that out of me, and then one day I'm like, you know what, wait a minute. What I am good at is producing a boatload of power under resistance while balancing over a water-based element for a short period of time with a short rest. I mean, you can't get much more specific than that. <laughs> That's pretty niche. So, mm-hmm. Right? And so it turns out that I was able to go to the Olympics for uh, beach, short track speed skating, and I'm a pretty darn good water skier. I'm terrible at everything else. I never hit a fastball. I've never scored a basket in basketball. I can't hit a tennis ball. I can't do anything else. Mm-hmm. But that's okay because yeah. you you find those few er- those areas where you are stellar, and you're right. It we sometimes look at you know, when somebody says, "What are your strengths?" It's important to look at everything in your life. Where are those moments that you know you felt that that flow feeling? Whether it was something at work or something with your friends or whatever, it doesn't just have to be. I'm good at Excel. Right? No, you're so right. I mean, that thread pulls all through life. So. That's the problem I think people do. They tend to think of what am I good at work, but no. What are you good at with friends? What are you good at with family or while travel? I'll tell you, I'm, I, I have very few strengths, but one of my strengths is I'm good at vacation. And that sounds so absurd, but some people aren't, frankly. They they struggle with the travel. They struggle with the ambiguity. They struggle with all of the, the gates and checks and dealing with all of the sort of process that's involved. And then once they get somewhere, they tend to huddle up and hole up because they've been through so much stress. Um, so that's one of my strengths. I'm good at vacations. And so how does that apply to the rest of my life? Well, I think it does. 
It does. And, and it lets you, it's good to, being good at vacations means you're also able to take that time to step away, which can be right. very hard, especially in today's modern life. So speaking yeah, of vacations, good. you say you can slow down time. How well did you do it in your own life? How long was your summer this year, John? I am getting so good at it. And I swear that I know it's not hard to believe, but everybody around me keeps saying, where did summer go? What happened to it? How is it already over? How is my kids already going back mm-hmm. to school? And I look back to, there was an event on June 2nd that feels approximately like seven years ago. I mean, I, it is so long ago to me that I, I can remember because it, it was a really intense thing that happened, but so many big and different and unique experiences have happened in between that it has pushed that yardstick out into this long, long distance. So this summer for me was by far the longest of my life and much, much longer than, say, a summer as an eight-year-old. That's great. And that's something I also want to do in my own life, but also with, I think I mentioned, with my daughter's life. So you mentioned with your children taking adventures and having those trips. Any other tips for, you know, really living and feeling that time kind of expand as opposed to feeling it just flow through your fingers, which is just the worst feeling? Yeah, you know, I'll say that the moments that, you know, there's a couple of different criteria that I find help to really slow down time as you design these moments. Mm Mm-hmm. So uniqueness is essentially, we already talked about that, so doing something different and unique. Like for two years, two summers ago, I took my daughter to Guatemala, where we lived with a Mayan family with one light bulb for a week and uh, only spoke Spanish, even though we didn't speak Spanish, and, and uh, did an immersion Spanish school and plucked chickens and roasted tortillas over an open fire. Um, so uniqueness, beauty, finding beauty, be it uh, in your natural surroundings where you are or in art or whatever, and slow down time, uh, depth of physical experience, so doing uh, physical activities that require you to be fully immersed, be that running, cycling, swimming, walking, climbing, doesn't matter, uh, emotional intensity, both high and low, I mean, I think that life presents a stress no matter what, so it's better to choose your stress rather than let it choose you, so if you can tackle difficult challenges that you've chosen versus on the couch and having health incidents that's thrust on you, you're better off mm-hmm. on working out hard and bringing that stress into your life on purpose. So there's sort of four categories that really help to expand time. Okay, I love it. And this has been awesome. So it's really, I think my biggest theme takeaway is this, is just welcome depth and breadth and lack of routine and a little bit less control into our world. And we're going to experience that expansion of time. John, this was awesome. It ti- time flew by in this segment. You can learn, <laughs> I sorry, I couldn't resist. I couldn't. You can learn about, <laughs> I couldn't resist. You can learn more about John and the art of really living, About it, also about his upcoming books, Counterclockwise and Raise Your Strengths on his website, johnkcoyle.com or follow him at T-A-O Really Living on Twitter. That's all we have time for this week. This is Dr. Daria on ShareCare Radio on Radio MD. If you can't wait to hear more, check us out on Twitter at ShareCare Inc. and download or listen to the podcast on sharecare.com backslash Radio MD. This is Dr. Daria. You're listening to ShareCare Radio on Radio MD. Thanks for listening and stay well. 